and you can find that on page 1139 of the Red Church Bibles. So that's Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13, page 1139. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Thanks, Matthew, for reading that. Do keep that passage open, um, won't you? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray now that you would speak to us through it and that you would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you feel about lists? Maybe, maybe you're a person who loves them. Maybe your to-do list powers you through your day, keeps you organized, focused on the next thing. Maybe you're one of these people that starts by writing down a bunch of things that, that you've already done so that you can, you can cross them off straight away and then you're off into your day. Or maybe your to-do list stresses and paralyzes you. You look at all you've got to get done and... You don't know where to start. Well, what about, what about another kind of list? Um, the sort you get in a, in a job application or, or for a university place. You know that, the long list of entry requirements that, that you've got to meet. Or, or the person spec. You know, the sort of thing I mean. Are you the right person to join our team? Are you exceptionally hardworking with outstanding interpersonal skills? Someone who will go the extra mile, give 110%, who is extremely organized, relentlessly optimistic, highly qualified, and hugely capable with a proven track record. If you read lists like that, how do you respond to them? Do they motivate you or crush you? Or do you just read them and think, yeah, right. Well, what about this list in our passage this evening from Romans chapter 12? How did you feel as, as Matthew read it to us just now? Here in Romans 12, Paul is describing authentic Christian community, what church is intended to be. He's shown in the first 11 chapters all that God has done for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, rescuing us from the depth of our sin and God's righteous anger against it, putting us right with him again, welcoming us back as his dearly loved children, lavishing on us his undeserved kindness and mercy. And now in chapter 12, Paul is explaining how, how Christian believers are to live in response. Chapter 12, verse 1, in view of God's mercy, as people shaped and changed by this gospel mercy that we've received. 
And as part of that, Paul writes this list. And, well, it might seem like a, a pretty random one. Do this, do that, do the other. But it's not random. Really, this is a list all about one thing. And we see it there at the start of verse 9. Love. Paul wants us to know that the fundamental mark of an authentic Christian community is love. And maybe that just sounds blindingly obvious. I mean, everyone knows, don't they, that that Christians are meant to love each other. But Paul knows we need to be careful. Because love, it can be a slippery word, can't it? Easy to use in lots of different ways. Hard to be sure that that we're actually talking about the same thing. So Paul wants to be clear. He's not talking about any old kind of love. Look at verse 9 again. He says, love must be sincere. The word is literally unhypocritical. And it's an idea from the theater of Paul's day. Back then, a a hypocrites, which is probably not how it's pronounced, was, was an actor. And, and in those days, how did actors take on different roles? Well, they put on a mask. That was how they showed that they were the brave hero or the, or the, the wicked king. Mask on, job done. And Paul's saying, that's not what Christian love is like. It's not something you can just put on like a mask. It's no good turning up on a Sunday and putting on your church face and managing to seem nice and act friendly for a few minutes over coffee at the end. No, says Paul, real, sincere, unhypocritical love. Love that's shaped by the gospel. Well, it will go so much deeper than that. And so to help us see more clearly, Paul gives us this list. And as he does, well, it's like he's drawing us a picture. Have a look at this. See, see if you can work out what's being drawn here. get that one here's another one There you go. Thank you, Dan. You can, you can watch hundreds more of those on YouTube later. But they're fascinating to watch, aren't they? Because as you follow the line and you're wondering, what's that bit all about then? And then, and then suddenly the, the ah moment, as, as you see how it all fits together, you see the picture that's being drawn. I think it helps us to see our passage a bit like that. Each instruction in this little chunk as like a line of a sketch. Some of them 
looking really odd at first, but, but all fitting together into that picture of the authentic love that must characterize an authentic, a genuine church community. So we're going to follow the, the lines of Paul's sketch here. And, and as we do that, I just, I just want us to ask ourselves two questions about it. Here they are. Is this where you want to belong? And is this you? So let's dive right into these verses. And the first line that Paul draws, well, it's a surprising one. Because Paul wants us to be clear from the outset that love hates. Look at verse 9. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Is that the first place you'd go to describe love? Hate? Isn't hate the opposite of love? Certainly that's what our culture would tell us, where we're told that loving a person, well, well, that means to uncritically affirm and celebrate everything about them. Every decision they make, every path they choose, if it's right for them, then you must celebrate it. But Paul says, no, there are right choices and there are wrong choices. There's good and there's evil. There's a true moral standard that God alone is able to set. And, and choices that depart from that are wrong and they're harmful to us. And so a sincere, loving church community will hate, not, not hate people, but the evil that hurts them. Won't be content with the the mask-wearing niceness where, where, well, you'll never challenge the sinful attitudes you see in me, the, the foolish choices you know I'm making, the, the wrong relationship I'm in, because, well, it might feel awkward to talk about. No, in a loving community, you'll challenge me. You'll, you'll pluck up the courage and take me to one side and humbly, gently, carefully confront me. Patiently show me what God's word says. Because you love me, and more than anything, you want me to cling to what is good. Is that the kind of church you want to belong to, where people love you like that? Love hates, says Paul. And love competes. It's another funny idea, isn't it? Maybe you're in a workplace or or a class at school that's rife with competition, People always jostling to get ahead to show that they're the best. Happy to step on others on their way up to the top. Sometimes church groups can get like that too, can't they? And it's toxic. But Paul says, well, loving people should compete too. But not like that. Not to be first, but to put others first. Verse 10, to be devoted to one another in love, to honor one another above yourselves. More literally, to outdo one another in showing honor. Paul's picturing a culture where everyone is driven in every situation, every conversation, to put someone else first. And that's, it's easy to caricature, isn't it? Maybe you know, that ridiculous Christian scene where, where no one is willing to take the last chocolate biscuit. You know, the, no, 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 you have it. No, 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 I insist you have it. No, oh, for goodness sake, give it to me. You know the, you know the idea, but 
Hopefully you, you also know the real thing. When, when you're talking to someone and you feel they're really listening to you, not hurrying away, not looking around to, to see who else there might be to talk to, not obsessed with what they'll say next or, or how they're coming across, but, but really listening, giving the time to show that you matter, to put your needs above their own. What would it be like to be in a church community where people outdo one another in listening? Come determined to put someone else first. Is that a place where you'd want to belong? And thirdly, Paul says love boils. In a church marked by real love, the spiritual temperature, says Paul, it isn't tepid or lukewarm. I don't know if you've ever tried to make a cup of tea with, with lukewarm water. It doesn't brew. It's disgusting. <laughs> and Paul says, that's not real Christian community. Tepid, half-hearted, mask on and going through the motions. No, he says, a church shaped by the gospel is boiling with spiritual life. Look at verse 11. Never lacking in zeal, full of spiritual fervor. It's a word that describes a cooking pot bubbling away on the boil. And, and what's, it, what's it bubbling up in, this spiritual heat? We'll see the end of the verse. In service. In a church, if you, if you want to see whether spiritual temperature is, is hottest, where do you look? Well, not where it's loud and showy, but, but where people are quietly, persistently, committedly serving the Lord and his people. That person who stays behind to help long after other people have gone, who, who visits that housebound lady week after week, after week. That, that parent with a, with a young family still serving on a ministry team or that person who's here every Friday night committed to discipling our young people. There's love, says Paul, bubbling away. Is that a church where you want to belong? Where everywhere you look, spiritual life is boiling away like that? Love hates, love competes, love boils, love perseveres. Have a look at verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. If all we do is turn up each week, put on our church masks, then, then all we're ever likely to see, isn't it, is, is happy, smiling people. But if we're a church that's trying to love one another sincerely, then... Well, we'll take the time to, to get to know each other and, and we'll take the risk of, of being vulnerable. Mask off, letting other people see where we're struggling with illness, with stress, with anxiety, with tough things at work, at school, in our families. And we'll see people holding each other up in the tough times. People who will faithfully pray for me week after week about situations where there are no quick fixes. People who remind me when, when I've totally lost sight of it 
of the sure and certain hope that we have in Christ. The hope of a new restored creation with no more tears. When all I can see is the brokenness and pain that is staring me in the face. People who will patiently wait with me and cry with me and help me to keep going. That's why being part of a small group is so important. Because there are places where we can be known like that. Is that where you want to belong? To a community that lovingly perseveres through the hardest times, together. And then finally, verse 13, love gives. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Because in a church where, where love is more than skin deep, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be seeing people's need and we'll be meeting it. We'll see our time and our money and our homes as, as resources that God has given us to meet the needs of his people. To offer a lift, even when it's, it's really inconvenient. To, to babysit so, so that couple can, can have some space together. To invite someone over when, when really we'd rather just chill out or, or, or we worry about, about what we have in common. To pay for someone to be able to go on that holiday they can't afford. Or to give an unexpected gift to bless one of our mission partners. Countless ways, big and small, where you'll see people generously opening their wallets, opening their homes, giving from what God has given them to meet the needs of others. Would you want to belong there? So there it is. Paul's sketch of sincere love, of an authentic church community living differently in view of God's mercy. It sounds incredibly attractive, doesn't it? To be known and loved in community like that. But maybe as you, as you watched Paul drawing his picture, you, you also hesitated. Because the bar seems so high, doesn't it? Maybe you found yourself thinking, well, that sounds great, but would I really fit in a community like that? That kind of costly, self-giving love, is that me? Maybe you hear Paul's list of instructions here, be devoted, good, fervent, patient, faithful, generous, serving. And it sounds, it sounds like one of those, those fitness instructors. You know the ones when, you, when, you, when you're doing circuit training and around they come to motivate you. What does that mean? Shout in your ear that you need to do it faster, better, harder, more. And, and if you're at all like me, you just want to shout back, leave me alone. Maybe you read this list and that's how you feel. You think, Paul, this isn't what I'm like. I'm much too selfish and self-serving. I'm, I'm too often spiritually tepid, too inclined to chase after what's not good, too attached to my space and my stuff and my comfort. This picture's lovely, but it's not me. And you're right. It isn't. It isn't you. And it isn't me. Paul isn't drawing a portrait of us. 
He's drawing someone else. He's drawing the Lord Jesus, who really and uniquely was sincere love walking perfectly, uncompromisingly good through and through. The perfect servant, perfectly loving, perfectly faithful and prayerful, even under the most intense affliction. Perfectly generous, giving up everything he had, opening his arms wide on the cross in extravagant love to meet our deepest need and welcome us home to him. I think we're meant to read these verses and see, this is not me, it's him. Only Jesus loves like this. Only he meets this person's spec 100%. And in his mercy, he meets it for people like us who fail it at each and every point. And that's the gospel. And that's the gospel that as we begin to get it into our minds and into our hearts, well, it begins to change us. Because, and I hope you know this, God's salvation plan for our lives, it doesn't end with forgiving our sins. Gloriously, there's more. Here's Romans 8, verse 29. Paul's, he's talking about all Christians, those whom God has chosen in undeserved mercy, taken hold of through the gospel. And what's God's plan for each of us? to be conformed to the image of his son, to make us gradually more like Jesus, that perfect portrait of love, so that slowly but surely, this picture of him becomes a picture of us. How? Well, as we live, Romans 12, verse 1, in view of God's mercy. Keeping the gospel and all that Jesus Christ has done for us clearly in view and letting, verse two, it renew our minds, transform us from the inside out. And then, and then as, we, as we take just tiny, faltering little baby steps to live out the picture that this passage is drawing for us, to love in ways like Jesus. Knowing that we'll often get it wrong. But knowing too that by his spirit, God promises that he will be powerfully, miraculously at work in my work. Showing others, as I try to love them, glimpses of his son. As you look around at Christchurch, I hope you see, as I do, those kinds of glimpses. All sorts of ways that God is miraculously at work in our church family, redrawing this picture of Christ-like love in us. All sorts of ways that people love and serve one another. And when we see that, that's good news. Because that's the gospel doing its work in us. And of course, there are all sorts of ways that we, that we fall short of it. 
Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you've been hurt and let down badly by a church. Maybe, maybe by this church. There are so many ways that we get this wrong. So many ways that we show a very different, much uglier picture of church community. Because we're simple people. But we're a work in progress. And God isn't finished with us yet. He's slowly, patiently redrawing the picture. Rubbing out a line here. Sketching in a line there. And he won't be finished with us until the new creation. So if you're a Christian believer here tonight, then today you belong as part of this picture that God is drawing. As part of a church community that's learning so slowly, but learning to live out this Christ-like love together. So that, well, so that people both inside our church and way beyond it will be helped to see how beautiful Jesus is. Let me pray for us. Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for his perfect love shown supremely for us at the cross. And thank you for this amazing promise that you will work this same love in us and through us as we live lives together and that you will make us more like him. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.